In this talk about Ezra Pound, I'm going to make reference to um, some of his poems, and one in particular I'm going to talk about in uh, some detail, um, and that's the poem called Les Femmes Salir le Loup des Bois. It's not all in French, it just sounds like it is. Um, and you might want to have a look at it um, before listening to the, the podcast. You can look at it in um, collections of Pound's verse, but also uh, it's published in, it was first published in a um, periodical I'm going to discuss called Blast, and it was in the second volume of that periodical. And you can see that on a wonderful site called the Modernist um, Journals Project, um, which has various journals from the early 20th century. Um, it's very interesting in itself. So why should we read the American modernist poet Ezra Pound? There are, I think, at least three reasons. First, he was the central figure in the early 20th century um, poetry movement. Living in London, Paris and Italy, but publishing right across the world, especially in the United States, he brought writers, publishers and patrons together. He, arguably more than any other single figure, really made modernism happen. Second, um, his career forces us to consider the role of poetry and of poets in the world. Should the poet comment on politics? Can poets be political figures? From the 1920s on, Pound firmly associated himself and his poetry um, with Benito Mussolini's fascist movement in Italy. In 1943, Pound was indicted for treason against the United States and deemed mentally unfit to stand trial. He was incarcerated in a hospital for the criminally insane until 1958. Third, Pound's poetry is some of the most innovative in the 20th century. It's important not only in its own right, but in laying the foundation for work by many subsequent poets. And in this talk, I'm going to focus primarily on the third reason for reading Pound, but with the aim of showing um, how the innovations of his poetry can be divorced neither from his cultural politics nor his party politics. But even there, it's difficult to know where to begin with Pound, given the length and the diversity of his career. Should we begin with the cantos, that very long and famously elusive um, poem, which he worked on for over 50 years? Or should we begin with the Imagist poems, which are short and lucid, they're much anthologised, but really they're part of his training rather than the mature work which set the parameters for um, subsequent avant-garde poetry. Today what I want to suggest is that we begin in the middle of these two phases of Pound's career and find a way out of imagism and into the cantos by looking at an interim moment. Um, and that interim moment I'm calling the moment of blast. Now, in 1914 and 1915, Pound contributed to Blast, which was the short-lived journal of the Vorticist movement. The Vorticist movement was a, a group of uh, poets, um, uh, painters, sculptors, um, and it was led by the painter and novelist um, Percy Wyndham Lewis. Vorticism 
influenced um, by the contemporaneous art movements on the continent, France, um, France and Italy especially, um, influenced by Cubism um, and Futurism, decided that it really wanted to shake up the artistic establishment in London. But looking back 36 years later, Lewis remarked that the inclusion of um, Pound's poetry and um, some of his literary contemporaries had been rather compromising. He thought that the, the literary figures were too bookish, they weren't as modern as the visual artists who appeared in the pages of Blast. And it's true that Pound's poems in Blast are not his best work. They haven't got the, the crystalline economy of the imagist poetry, which had been published the year before in the British journal The New Free Woman and the American magazine Poetry. Nor have they got the intricacy and the complexity of the cantos, the first of which also appeared in the American um, Poetry magazine in 1917. And you can look at these journals on the Modernist Journal's um, website as well. But the poems in Blast are all the more interesting, I think, because they are experiments. We can see here inside the poet's workshop. Now, the poem I'd like to talk about from Pound's contributions to Blast, as I mentioned at the beginning, is A Femme Salir Le Loup de Bois. And it's, uh, that's a quotation from um, one of Pound's poet heroes, Francois Villon, the, the Provencal poet. Um, and it might be translated as Because of hunger, wolves leave the woods. In the poem, Pound praises his vorticist colleagues, the painters Wyndham Lewis and Edward Wadsworth, um, and the sculptors Jacob Epstein and Henri Gaudier-Gerschke. But he com complains that his praise of them has left him out in the cold, um, outside the London literary scene, because the literati, the people who are controlling what goes on in the British cultural scene, don't agree with his taste. He complains that to be part of that scene, he has to capitulate to so-called civilization by not criticizing the establishment journals, magazines, and newspapers. The trigger for this poem had occurred the previous October. Um, George Prothero, who was the editor of the Quarterly Review, a very well-respected and establishment journal that Pound had been cultivating since um, June 1912, Prothero had rejected Pound's proposals for further contributions because he didn't approve of Pound being associated with this group around Blast. But the fact that Pound um, published his frustration in a poem rather than writing about it in a letter is important and very interesting because although the content of this poem is clearly um, very specifically autobiographical, the form of the poem might be read as a submerged critique of Pound's earlier poetry written under the aegis of imagism, the poetic movement that Pound had founded with his um, friends, H.D., the um, poet Hilda Doolittle, and Richard Aldington in 1913. The poem begins by using the metaphor of a shipwreck. Pound represents himself as at sea, uh, clinging onto a bit of a wrecked boat with waves of icy water breaking over him. This beginning, um, the first-person perspective, the isolation, the use of wave imagery, all this recalls imagist poetry. But in the third line of the poem, there's a dash which breaks the poem before it uh, performs um, a move which imagist poetry very rarely does. 
This poem makes its metaphor explicit. Pound tells us that the waves are civilization, the superficial civilization of the literary establishment. The poem seems not to trust us to interpret the metaphor ourselves, and indeed it abandons it entirely after the first four lines. For this poem has something to say, it has an opinion, and that opinion, it seems, cannot be encapsulated in an image. Pound thus puts aside the first two self-imposed rules of imagism as they'd been advertised in the poetry magazine um, in 1913, where he wrote that you should always deal directly with the subject of your poem and that you shouldn't use any extraneous words or any ornament, you shouldn't talk round, you shouldn't explain. The conversational tone in this poem involves a certain looseness of expression, in fact. Um, there are a series of repetitions of the phrase, say that, that you'll see if you look at the poem. But Pound arguably adheres to the third imagist rule that he advertised in 1913. And that was that one should um, try to not to make one's verse regular um, or follow a traditional rhythmic form, but rather that one should let the verse dictate the music of the line. Now this is of course mainly a point about the imagist preference for free verse um, over regular meters, but it's also an insistence that the poet pays attention to the sound of what he or she writes. Pound is very justly renowned for his poetic ear, and in this period he's really putting it to the test. He's working out how far he can stretch the poetic line, finding out just what he can get into poetry. In A Femme Salir, Le Loup des Bois, he's straining the poem's rhythm, particularly in the middle of the poem, where his voice lists through a whole pile of clauses. The poem itself res resolves very calmly, if rather kind of self-indulgently, in the final line, um, very confidently slowed down with a sejura. So this poem is one of a number from the period that keeps the contemporary diction of Pound's early imagist poetry, but it opens up the form of the poem to try out a social critique of a sharper kind than Pound had previously attempted. It's the beginning of an opening up that would result in uh, what we call, or what we think of as the open text of the cantos, a poem whose form would become so capacious that Pound was able to incorporate in it sections of the Odyssey of Thomas Jefferson's letters John Adams's diaries, um, a French history of China, the sayings of Confucius, and bring all of this together into a critique of modern civilization.